at this point, the law states, hey, you're an adult, even if your cognitive function is at five years old, you're an adult in the eyes of the law. And so we're really not supposed to communicate with parents without their son or daughter's permission to do so. And that is a little sample of what we will be discussing today. We are talking about preparing your child who has special needs for the future. It is important for you to know exactly how to prepare them, how to have them start advocating. And we are going to be hearing from our special guest, Stephanie Rowe, to guide us in that conversation and give us the information that we need. So let's get started. Without further ado, let's cue the intro. This is Parent Them Successful with author and licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. Your child no longer has to struggle. On this parenting podcast, we unravel the complexities of the education system, give insight into intervention services, and offer encouragement and tools alongside your parenting journey. It's time for your child to thrive. Welcome your host, LEP educator and mom of four, Jessica Shields. Welcome, parents. I am so happy that you are tuning in. We have a very special guest with us today, and she is going to be helping you understand the importance of not only your child being able to self-advocate, but also she's going to engage in this wonderful uh, conversation about transition IEPs. And if you don't know what IEP stands for, it stands for Individualized Education Plan or Program. And basically, it's special education services for students who have disabilities. So if you have been looking for something like this, I want you to lean in closely and learn more about the benefits of self-advocacy and the transition process. So, but first, Let me tell you a little bit more about our special guest. Stephanie Rowe is a fierce educator. She has a master's in special education and has been working with learners of all levels and ability levels. And she's been doing this for the last 20 plus years. She currently focuses on building community and vocational skills with transition aged special education students. And we'll talk about what that means But Stephanie is very passionate about her teaching, and she believes that everyone deserves time and support to reach their goals. So Stephanie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy and excited to have you. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much. I'm doing well. Thank you for letting me be a part of this experience. Absolutely. You know, you have so much knowledge and so much experience. Why don't you just tell us a little more about you, your experience, your background with special education and whatever else you think that we need to know? Yeah. So um, I have been in education for a long time. I started off really, really young as an avid tutor and um, I worked mostly with students uh, in junior high school on math and science. And then I became a substitute teacher 
And while I was a substitute teacher, I was asked to do a couple of long-term assignments. And some of those assignments involved students with special needs. And I had never worked with special education students before. Um, so when I became a teacher, I became an RSP teacher because I loved my my time as a sub uh, and working with students with learning disabilities and um, just, you know, helping them find their success. And then after that, um, I was working at the high school level and they said, hey, we heard you have some experience with, um, you know, some of the more, some of the students that have, you know, some more needs or some more, um, need some more help. And they were like, would you be interested in switching? And I was like, ah, I don't know, because um, I loved my RSP gig, but mm-hmm. I loved working with other students too. So I started doing that. And I was the ninth grade teacher, um, helping students transition into high school and making sure they were placed correctly. And then they asked me to move over to uh, work with the older students, the seniors, uh, um, because they needed some more support with their vocational skills and community skills. And um, so I said, okay, sure, why not? And then an opportunity came to move off campus and work with adult learners uh, within our district. And I said, okay, let's do it. So um, I've kind of just followed this progression from junior high to adult hood, well, <laughs> adult <laughs> students, um, adult students, and I've uh, been able to work with all kinds of students as a result. Um, you know, I got to do Best Buddies for a really long time, and that allowed me to engage with the general education population as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, it's been a really great journey. And you said some things that uh, I just want to make sure that parents know what some of these acronyms mean, because you and I both know we work in this field and we know all the acronyms. And uh, sometimes parents are like, well, what does that mean? Well, yeah. What is that? <laughs> and so I know you said you were an avid, tu- uh, avid tutor. So AVID, A-V-I-D stands for Advancement in, uh, via Individual Determination. And basically it's one of those types of programs that a lot of schools across the nation have, uh, but it really does focus on those organization skills and, you know, that college going culture. So just wanted to make sure that any parents listening, if you haven't heard of Abbott, it's an awesome program and it definitely is something that should be in your schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was an Abbott student myself when I was in high school, so it's been a very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Very beneficial. And then, um, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure and put a plug in for Avid, of course, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So you have a lot of experience just working with all, like, like you said before, you know, like I announced all levels and, I like the fact that now you get to work with those adult students and it's important to have, I would say it's, it's pretty important to have those self-advocacy skills. And we don't really talk about that a lot, but let's go ahead and have that conversation because we want parents to know how important having and teaching their child self-advocacy is. I mean, mean, what do you think about self-advocacy? What should parents be aware of or what should they know? Oh, I think that self-advocacy is very, very important. And it's something that parents can help their children start working on at a very early age. By Mm -hmm. the time you become an adult, um, 
no, nobody's there to kind of hold your hand or to kind of check on you and say, Hey, you know, how are you doing? Do you need help? That's kind of what the world is of education prior to graduating from high school. And once we mm-hmm. all become adults, we have to be able to know who to ask help from. And so if we can start working on those self-advocacy skills of asking for help, knowing the right questions, knowing the right people, uh, at an earlier age. Um, so, and making sure that our students or our, our children are a part of the process, especially when they go to their IEP meetings, if they, we can start making sure that they're all a part of that, that's going to just work with them. That's going to help them so much down the road because when they get to the college level or when they just become adults and they're in the real world, they have Mm -hmm. to be able to speak for themselves and the police don't care if, you know, (laughs) they have a disability, like nobody cares if they have a disability and they're certainly not going to wear a shirt that points it out. Right. um, That wouldn't be okay. (laughs) So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, you know, sometimes I watch the news and I see how things can go very bad, very quickly with individuals who have disabilities who are unable to even, you know, uh, communicate that when they are pulled over by police or, you know, so it could go very bad, especially if they aren't able to communicate those things. But, you know, that self-advocacy skill is so important so that they can communicate so that things don't go very bad, you know, Um, so I am just like, I totally agree with you a hundred percent and, you know, you work with adult students. And so what does that look like for them? Well, you know, a really important thing for parents to remember is that once their child does become an adult legally, we're not supposed to communicate with the parents unless they have conservatorship. So Mm. at this point, the law states, Hey, you're an adult. Even if your cognitive function is at five years old, Mm. you're an adult in the eyes of the law. And so we're really not supposed to communicate with parents without their son or daughter's permission to do so. That's scary. That's scary for parents. I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) (laughs) And so getting connected to agencies and supports, before they become an adult is an important conversation to have with their children and to make sure that they're a part of that process if they're able. Um, if they're, you know, some of our students are have lower function than others and, you know, maybe they wouldn't understand what that meant. And so having conservatorship would absolutely be important, um, 100%. But other students can most students can engage in that conversation and have Mm -hmm. at least some understanding. And that also helps to empower the individual and let them know what it means to be an adult and why it's important and why it's hard um, and why it's important to know who those safe people are that we can trust and get help from, um, including them in all of that, including them in that process I think Mm -hmm. it's really, really important. And that's something that I sometimes don't get to see when I have new adults coming over to me because they might not be connected to some of the state agencies that they have access to, some of the resources that they have access to, or maybe parents weren't aware or, you know, maybe it wasn't something that was discussed beforehand. And so then they start to kind of, struggle with communicating with some something as easy as going to the doctor 
like the doctor wow. might not even communicate with the parent or social security office, different things like that. So mm-hmm. um, I think really thinking about what life is going to look like once the student turns 18 and, and beyond is something that parents need to look at uh, far behead, far ahead of, of um, before they even, you know, get into high school, they really need to start thinking about those things. Right. And I, I like that you said we need to start early because I'll tell you what I see often. And this is the truth. I see that parents are doing things for their kids and Sometimes they use the, my child has a disability to really enable them to not be independent, you know, like, right. well, they have a disability, so I have to do it for them. But you have on the even, defense, right? Like they're right about it. Right, right. And that just damages the whole self-advocacy skill yes. building <laughs> because we want them to be as independent as they can be, but we have to have expectations for our kids to be independent at certain, you know, at their level. Right. So I just, I just see that that's a problem with wanting them to, with the parents wanting to do everything for the child and being afraid to let go. Yeah, no. And I think that's important to keep in mind because it doesn't matter how old you are or, or, you know, how significant your disability is, everybody can do something, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has the ability to learn and everybody has the right to fail. And you don't know what you can do until you try. And so if by parents working on those self-advocacy skills with the kids and also, you know, doing things as simple as having home chores at a really early age. And if there if things like that are really hard for them, you know, even just communicating, especially if they're not able to verbally communicate, right? Or maybe they can't mm-hmm. physically move. There are different ways that our, our children communicate with us that we can just start small and then just build from there. And everybody's got the capacity to do something. Because, and it doesn't even have to be your child with a disability. I mean, I had plenty of general ed students coming into the classroom and saying, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to do laundry. Oh my gosh. I don't know how to iron my clothes, you know. That's um, a problem. Yeah, we're getting ready to go off campus and go to work and we're ironing our clothes. We just got them out of the washer and they're just like, what are you guys doing? So oh, wow. And that's yeah. uh, through the Best Buddies program. Yeah. That you have. And can you talk a little bit about that? Because maybe that's not as widely known as it is in the special education world with parents. So what can you tell us a little bit about that Best Buddies program? Yeah, um, Best Buddies was something that was established back in the 80s. Um, I want to say 1989 um, by Anthony Shriver, um, mm-hmm. Eunice, Eunice Kennedy's um, son, I believe, or grandson. I don't really remember like <laughs> the relationship, sorry, but it does come from the Shriver family. Um, so Anthony Kennedy Shriver is the one that really kind of blew it up. Um, and it's an international organization. It actually is around the world where mm-hmm. they work on establishing friendships between students with intellectual disabilities and their general education peers. And the whole goal is to create a one-on-one friendship that hopefully will last a lifetime um, and that both sides, you know, get to see that, hey, you know, we're not so different from each other and we have the same likes and the same dislikes and, you know, we're interested in the same things. And I just, you know, I just might need a little bit more help than somebody else or, you know, that kind of thing. So it kind of really opens up 
the door to possibilities um, and inclusion. I love the inclusion piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it made, I mean, the students with special needs, they were beyond happy when the general education students would come in the door. And, um, and, you know, even our RSP students, our resource specialist, our, our students in the resource um, specialist program, mm-hmm. um, you know, even they would come and connect as a peer buddy, you know, because because they would want to get to know the students that, you know, needed some more help and they wanted to be that person that could help them because they were in times that would have difficulty with their own stuff and they know what it feels like, you know what I mean? So um, to be able to kind of give back. So Mm -hmm. it was just, and then, you know, the students that are kind of in between would want to come and they would get to choose if they wanted to be a buddy or a peer buddy, because maybe they were just looking for somebody else to kind of accept them and, and get to know who they were. So that's just a really cool, I'm not anybody that like is, um, you know, I'm not a spokesperson for it. Or right. Like that. But you have experience. Yeah. I just happen to be an advisor for a while and have experience. Yeah. It's an awesome program and it just uh, helps the general education students also build that compassion and not be afraid of others who have more severe or, or severe disabilities. You know, it, it just, I love the fact that it's so inclusive of all types of students and it encourages those types of connections and friendships. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's another thing, another piece of student advocacy Mm -hmm. and that is knowing their disability. I mean, how many times have you been at the IEP with the student present or even at the end of that process and they don't even know what their disability is or what it means. That is so common. It is, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. I wish that it wasn't as common as it is, but it's, you know, once I got to start working with the adults, I started learning about how um, other programs were were running, and to come to find out that not everybody was always having that conversation, or not everybody was always included in that process, you know. And sometimes they are, and the students just mm-hmm. forget, or you know. So you know, you have to be fair and be mindful of all that. But a lot of times, it's you know, the students don't know, and they're not going to be able to advocate for themselves and know what to ask for and know who to go to help or who to find for help um, mm-hmm. if they don't know what it is that they need to ask. So if right. they don't know that they have a visual processing disorder, you know, then they're not going to know that what to explain to the counselors or, you know, whoever the doctors, whoever it is that they need to explain their disability to, mm-hmm. um, they're not going to be able to speak to that. And so I think it's really, really important for students to know, hey, I I have autism and that's okay. And this is why learning is hard for me. Or I have an intellectual disability and that's okay. And this is why learning is hard for me. And these are the things that help me learn. I think that's the other big piece is not just knowing what your disability is, but saying, hey, this is what I've learned actually helps me to be successful, to find success. Because as special educators, we're in the business of putting ourselves out of business, right? We're mm-hmm. we're there to give the students the tools that they need so that they don't need us anymore. And um, one of the really awesome things about being in special education is, you know, it's 
Well, one of the hard things about being in special education is that you don't <laughs> get to see a lot, as many successes, right? Or um, successes defined differently than it might be in the rest of the education world. Right. But we know our students, we know our kids, and we know that even the smallest, smallest gain is the huge. relevant success. <laughs> exactly. Every, every little bit matters. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really, really important. Um, to always be positive and to always let the students know that it's not their fault. It is absolutely not their fault that they have this disability, but it's something that we have to learn to work with so that we can be the best that we can be. All right, that concludes the episode, part one of this two-part series on preparing your child for the transition to adulthood. If your child has special needs or uh, is on an IEP or individualized education plan, there is no need to worry. Just make sure that you are taking the right steps in the right direction. Part two is going to give you more specific steps on what you need to do, agencies you might need to connect with and just general information on how to really make sure your child is self-advocating. So if this information was helpful for you, it blessed you, you're thinking of maybe that friend or that cousin or whoever it may be, someone you know, even if you don't have a child with special needs, but you know someone else who does, share this information. Share parentthemsuccessful.com. Have them click and just tune in to this wonderful episode or any episode that might bless them. Also, just think about what you can do to support others. And of course, sharing is caring. Share, even if it's a screenshot, hashtag me as you share on social media, hashtag Jessica Shields, that's J-E-S-S-I-K-A Shields, so I can see that you are really out there being an advocate for others and really being a part of someone else's village. And of course, if you are listening and you haven't subscribed, just go ahead and click that subscribe button so that you do not miss any other episodes and you get all new content right there on your notifications. And I thank you for listening. And I hope that you are going to tune in to part two so you can find out how you can definitely prepare your child for their next part of their life. And we're going to be talking about specific organizations that can support in that as well. So stay tuned for part two and be blessed and love on your children. Thank you for listening to the Parent Them Successful with licensed educational psychologist, Jessica Shields. We're so glad you've joined us and would love to connect with you outside of the show. To find more information about our services, the Empower House Academy, or to take our quiz, What's Your Parenting Style? Go to StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. Feel free to email us directly at info at StrongerMindStrongerYouth.com. We'd love to hear from you. Other ways to stay connected are on Instagram and Facebook by searching Stronger Mind, Stronger Youth and on Twitter at official underscore SMSY. Until next time, be well and love your children for they are a gift from the Lord.